Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. I want to tell you who you just heard. Uh, Sheldon Abbott just handed me a new release from the Blue Shadows. Uh, It's a Rip Cat Records release. That was track seven with Cat Squirrel. Great CD. Thanks, Sheldon. I will give it back. Don't worry. Uh, All right. Standing by to join us is Marcus Shingles. He's CEO of XPRIZE, and he's joining us now. And I heard about Marcus at the recent TEDx in L.A. Good morning, Marcus. Yes, hello. Hi. Thanks so much for calling in. Sure thing. I uh, heard about you, as I mentioned, at TEDx L.A., and uh, I was really intrigued by XPRIZE. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that TEDx L.A. was a great event for us locally here, wasn't it? Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I, I am, I'm at the XPRIZE Foundation. We're based here in Culver City. Um, XPRIZE was founded in 2004. Okay. Um, Peter D. Manis is the executive chairman. Um, I'm C, currently CEO. Um, and it, it's a very important work, and I, I took the role. I was a partner at Deloitte Consulting mm-hmm. based here in Los Angeles. I, I resigned from Deloitte as a partner, which is usually an odd thing to do if you're if you get partnerships. Sure. <laughs> but um, I felt a sense of both anxiety and opportunity with um, seeing a lot of corporate clients, CEOs of some of the largest companies in the world that I was working with, figuring out how to use disruptive innovation to completely change their industry, um, leveraging new technologies, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, advanced robotics, biotech, quantum computing, nanotechnology, all these trends that are happening as a result of Uh, computing power um, being democratized and available for everyone to leverage. Um, So I I went around the world looking at ecosystems that were blossoming disruptive entrepreneurs like Mm -hmm. Tel Aviv and right here in Los Angeles and Silicon Valley and Santiago, Chile and Brooklyn and Berlin. And I I started to get anxiety that, man, there's a lot of problem solving that's getting democratized because now individuals can solve problems that only big government or big business had 20 years ago. And, man, I, I really see the commercial industries eating this stuff up. And if you leave it to the commercial industries, these technologies will go for profit and commercial purposes, which is great. I'm very pro-industry. But at the same time, I thought there's some really low-hanging fruit that could be leveraged to solve big, grand challenges in the world that traditional problem solvers, the government yes. and industry, are not solving for us. And perhaps we as the people of the world can start to solve our own problems now that we have this technology democratized into our pockets, the fact that we're all walking around with this super technology, supercomputers in our pockets. Right. And essentially XPRIZE as a nonprofit had that model already somewhat perfected because they've been doing it for so long where essentially they, they dress up like a competition, essentially a psychological change instrument. They, okay. they dress it up like a prize because people like to compete and they yes. figure out incentive structures that will get entrepreneurs from around the world to invest their time and effort pro bono okay. uh, to win a competition, to win a grand prize, to win the X Prize, like winning a Nobel Peace Prize in the STEM community, right? It's a very significant award uh, with a lot of history behind it. So that's what we do. We, look, we research some of the biggest problems facing the world. Yes. We identify those that aren't going to be solved by government or by industry or traditional problem solvers. And then we say, so who's going to solve it? Well, the people of the world potentially can solve this. There's probably a needle in the haystack out there somewhere. Let's just figure out how to design an instrument that we dress up like a competition, put it out to the world, and and try to find that that genius in the crowd to solve it. 
All right. So excuse me a second. Do you want to talk about one of these projects, uh, you know, give the listeners a little better idea of what you're talking about? Yeah, and I, I, I was just told by my PR person, person that I corrected that the, the foundation was founded in 1995. Not, 2004 was when we awarded the first prize. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the original. Um, when Peter DeMandis, the executive chairman, it's, the history here is actually important and it's relevant, and it's kind of a, a story that, that leads to where we are today. It was around the time that NASA was rolling back the space program, i.e., government traditional problem solver not going to solve some of the innovations and breakthroughs and problem solving related to space anymore because NASA was rolling back the funding. Right. And Peter DeMandis had trained to go to, uh, he actually got a doctorate from Harvard in medical, but he had two degrees from MIT and he always wanted to go to space ever since he was a little kid. Okay. So he was disappointed when he saw that A, the NASA wasn't funding any more space uh, launches and B, um, he didn't meet all the requirements, uh, physical requirements, to get into space. So he's like, I'm not going to be able to get into space. But he read Charles Lindbergh's autobiography and realized that Lindbergh crossed the Atlantic to actually win a prize. Oh, and he thought, you know what, idea. I'm going to do the exact same model. I'm going to launch a $10 million prize under the Arch of St. Louis. He did this back in, I don't know what year it was, but I think it was like 1990. Uh, the, the year that he first announced was 1996. 1996. Okay. And um, $10 million saying, if anyone can do this, I don't care what your resume says, I don't care what background you have, I don't care where you got, went to school, if you can create a spaceship that will go up into suborbit 100 kilometers and back down yes. and do that twice, i.e. something that's reusable, so it will lead to commercial industry, and you can do that twice, within two weeks, you will win $10 million. And, you know, years later... Um, the Ansari X Prize was won, and Bert Rattan uh, developed a spacecraft that went up into space 100 kilometers and back down. And um, uh, Richard Branson was at the winning ceremony buying the intellectual property, and that helped launch Virgin Galactic and Amazing. Um, eventually led to the private, he's credited with launching the private space industry. And so it was after that that they're like, you know what, this thing really works. Crowdsourcing the world for, pro for solutions uh, around some big problems or challenges, moonshots. Right. Um, work. So since then, we've, we've applied that same model to education, to uh, health care, to oceans. We do a lot of work around oceans and oceans health, basically areas that we don't feel like innovation is going to happen from traditional players like the government or, or industry. Okay, so let's talk about education for a minute. Tell me what this will mean to teens, or not even teenagers, younger kids. Yeah, so, I, so I, the education, as we all know, is um, for any of us that have kids, I have a a daughter that's out of college, a son that's in college. I, I tell people this. I had to retool my daughter three times in her lifetime. I had to retool her. I had to, okay. to re-educate her outside of the education system to prepare her to be employable and productive. Um, that means not just going into biology, but going into biotechnology. So how would you do that? Well, I, I, fortunately, I had the, the knowledge to do that by educating her on trends that we call exponentials, helping her understand these new trends that are emerging as a, as a result of this undercurrent of computing power that's been doubling Moore's Law. So mm -hmm. artificial intelligence is riding that exponential trend. That's why you hear so much about AI now, even though it's been around for decades. It's hitting the knee and the curve in terms of its exponential pace of change. 3D printing, advanced robotics, biotechnology, nanotech, quantum computing, and also certain types of methodologies and processes that now are kind of the modern-day toolbox for an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. How to crowdsource, how to crowdfund. 
the maker movement, maker spaces. You know, LA is, a, is an epicenter for a lot of this right now. It's, a, it's just such a great innovation hub if you go out there and look around. So a lot of that, and I, I took this, by the way, down to one of the LA schools, uh, Nava College Prep, mm -hmm. which is an LA public school down on Compton Boulevard next to Jefferson High School. I approached the principal there a few years ago and the superintendent and said, you guys, I'm taking CEOs of the biggest companies in the world up to NASA, to Singular University with XPRIZE, and spending days with them, completely educating them on the type of talent they need to hire. And I'm also working with UCLA and some of the MBA programs to train them on the type of students they need to, to bring into the universities. And you guys are all at the high school level. I can tell you exactly what the others that are upstream are going to hire for because I'm training them what to hire. And it's nothing that you're teaching right now. It, it, it's, not, it's not the key thing. So what was the reaction? Um, well, fortunately, uh, Tommy Welch, who was the principal at the time, he now since then went to Boston, and Tommy Chang, who was the superintendent at the time, um, completely embraced it. They're like, we get this. We know this. So we, we created a program called the Exponential Entrepreneur Program, and fortunately, they gave me one hour out of every school day last year to build a curriculum called the Exponential Entrepreneur Program at Nava College Prep. And it has turned out incredible because two weeks on AI, two weeks on robotics, two weeks on crowdsourcing, two weeks on the blockchain, two weeks on crowdfunding. You know, hey, kids, do many of you think you've got to go to a bank to get a loan where they look at your title score to launch a business to be self-sufficient as an entrepreneur one day? Well, that's not how it works anymore. You're going to crowdfund that. Well, what does crowdfunding mean? Well, let's, let's talk about crowdfunding. So it, it really is the notion of being an exponential entrepreneur. We took 50 kids through the program. We're in the second year now and we're expanding it, but it works. It's just like it worked with my kids, you know, so and uh, these kids will get internships locally here in L.A. L.A. Yeah. is an epicenter for virtual reality and augmented reality technology. It's a hotbed for that. That's, a, that's something that kids should get into. My son did an intern this summer at a local startup on VR and AR. Mm -hmm. You got SpaceX right here. So it's, it's really, a, it, you know, now a lot of schools focus on coding, I think coding is like the modern-day reading. It, it helps develop the brain, but that's, I don't think that's so much of a bankable skill, learning how to code. Artificial intelligence will eventually be doing the coding, so it's not a bankable skill. What is more important is understanding how to be an exponential entrepreneur and understanding the full landscape. When I was yes. at Deloitte, the most difficult people were to hire, and we were one of the biggest employers in the U.S., the di most difficult talent to find wasn't the expert in a single thing like coding or developing or AI or robotics. It was actually someone who understood the whole landscape of tool set to be an entrepreneur because then they could problem solve and think of solutions for, through a much wider aperture and understand change much more effectively. So that's essentially what the program we set up, that's what it's focused on doing. We only have a couple more minutes, so I'm probably going to ask you to come back on again when you have some time. Cause this oh, is I'd love to. I, you can tell I like talking about this. Stuff. Oh, it's so fascinating. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting at TEDx. I mean, I love going to TEDx, and I'm thinking... This is unbelievable what you're talking about. And I, I saw some kids in the crowd and they were cheering because you knew them. And it was yeah, those are the kids from the high school. I, I invited them all to. I've taken those kids out to 3D systems in Burbank to look at 3D printers. I've taken them out to um, Exchange LA to look at virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, we, uh, we did a robotics competition. I mean, there's really a lot to get involved with. If you don't mind, can I share something with you that's rather important? I'd Please. love it to. Yes. Maybe it's a topic for next time. Go ahead. Um, and, and mainly I want to share this with you because I think it's, it's critically important because it's easy to, to have a few sound bites that sound very interesting and get all excited, but there's something pretty significant happening here, and I, I think it's important for people to realize. Um, we have 3 billion people connected to the Internet today. That's how many people have access to the, to the Internet right now. 
there are a variety of initiatives from the Google Loon project that Google's working on to the Facebook drone project to satellites that Elon Musk is working on to Qualcomm satellites, Richard Branson. Everybody's working on getting the entire planet on Wi-Fi within the next seven years. Uh, the experts feel like within five to ten years, probably seven, this whole planet will be on Wi-Fi. We'll, we'll have Internet access at, at a much higher rate than what we're used to now. Can you imagine a planet with seven billion people connected where yeah. we have half connect today. And remember, that's seven years from that, seven more doublings in computing power. So that's a significant jump in the power of technology that we have currently in our pockets. It sure is. That's a different landscape. That's, a, that's, that's not only the democratization of technology, but it's the democratization of problem solving. Mm -hmm. And if we have any hope as a population to actually solve some big, big challenges that we can't rely on government, especially in the current political climate. We can't be so dependent on government to innovate. They're too linear. They don't think exponential. So they were, right. they were not the best shot to begin with, let alone with, with uh, kind of the current scenarios. Uh, we, we can't rely on them to solve our problems. Uh, industry, as we know, will, will focus on it when there's a profit motive, and sometimes they have to be shown that there's a there there before they focus. Okay. So what we really have to start thinking about is models to harness the wisdom of the world to, solve all, to, to get all those entrepreneurs that are walking around with that type of technology, 7 billion people connected, it's a force to be reckoned with. It's a landscape the history of our world has never seen before. I mean, all that XPRIZE is doing, and there's many players out there, XPRIZE is one of them, what we're doing is we're, we realize that landscape, we focus a big problem, and we say, let's figure out if there's that needle in the haystack that we can incentivize to come to us through an incentive prize theory model. And we designed this instrument and put it out there, but it really is the notion that we collectively as a, as a population can start solving our own problems because we have power in technology and innovation that only big business and big government had a couple decades ago, and it's, it's really important to recognize that. So unfortunately, we do have to wrap. This is so exciting, and I want to hear more about it, but let me have your website for the listeners. Yes, xprize.org. Okay. XPRIZE.org. Can they reach out to you on Facebook or any other social um, media? Yeah, they, uh, uh, my, my Twitter handle is at disruption, um, disruption Alert. Yes. Disruption Alert is my Twitter handle. Um, Perfect. And by all means, LinkedIn or, or, or uh, Twitter. And that, of course, join our newsletter at XPRIZE as a nonprofit. We're, we're happy to host anyone here in L.A., too, if you want to come by and see our offices. we got all the 3D printers and virtual reality and spaceships hanging up in the in the lobby so i know fun. i would so. <laughs> <laughs> well you're invited please. i would love to it sounds so exciting all right unfortunately we are going to wrap up but uh again i'm going to have you back on this has been great i want to thank you so much for calling in yeah my pleasure thank right. you thank have you. a good uh, week bye-bye bye-bye that was marcus shingles calling in he's the ceo of the xprize foundation if you missed any part of this segment we'll be up on my blog within an hour after i wrap and uh so we're going to bring on my next guest, uh, the author of Ordinary Goodness, Edward Fulyun, and uh, we'll take a quick little music break, and then we'll bring him on. You're listening to KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. <laughs> 